tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. heard that right china i wish i had like one of those buttons where i could make my voice lower china uh will china end up owning multiple nba teams probably yeah probably lost in the shuffle this past month is a decision that adam silver and the nba made about who can own an nba team The NBA Board of Governors made a rule change that allows sovereign wealth funds. Anytime I hear those three words together, I start freaking the fuck out. Sovereign wealth funds? I don't know, like Saudi Arabia and the... Let's just look that up for a second. Endowments, pension funds, all can buy stakes in NBA teams. Why is this important? Well, because sovereign wealth funds are offshoots of foreign governments. And the NBA now becomes the first pro sport in America to allow foreign governments to buy into the league. Are we going to have some fucking international warfare inside the NBA? Whoa. Could you imagine? Which team would it be? I mean, it's got to be the Brooklyn Nets, right? Like Joe Sy. <laughs> Joe Sy. We know how connected he is to China. Just made that up at the top of my head. Probably true. Who else would it be? Tillman Fertitta of the Houston Rockets seems like he would be open to selling the share to Saudi Arabia. Listen, I'm not going to slander anybody else, but I'm sure there's a few people who would do it. They could take positions also in up to five teams at the same goddamn time. If you think tampering's a b- issue now, imagine if, let's say Saudi, let's say Russia. Russia owns five NBA teams. Five. Imagine. What kind of trades are we going to see? What kind of free agency situations are we going to see? I mean, the the opportunities for chaos are limitless. Limitless. And I don't mean the Bradley Cooper film. I mean, like, literally expand your imagination to how bad this can be. And let's just go through it. Why is this a problem? Well, let's say the Chinese government buys a 20% stake in five NBA teams. We know for a fact 
that the Chinese government can just randomly decide to ban an NBA team if they're doing something they don't like. We saw that happen, right, with Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets. They did this to the Celtics over the Enos Cantor freedom situation. So the question is, what does Adam Silver do when there's China owning teams? How does he deal with that? Does he take a stance? Probably not. Like, what happens when more problems arise with China when they own the equivalent of the entire NBA team? Let's talk about other prominent sovereign wealth funds, countries like Qatar, hosting the World Cup right now. Uh, ask what's been going on in Qatar. Do a quick little Google search. Uh, did you see any of these football players putting their hands to their mouth because they've been silenced by the government about the atrocities that took place just to build those fucking arenas? Imagine, imagine the type of things that could happen on our own soil if Qatar owned the fucking... I don't know, Seattle Supersonics. Be honest. I don't know, Las Vegas Rattlesnakes. That would be fucking wild. They could put themselves in position to own and influence the league in ways that probably no foreign nation should. Here are the largest sovereign wealth funds in the world. Let's just go through them. One, China Investment Corporation, $1.4 trillion. Think they could buy a couple teams? Maybe the Phoenix Suns? I don't know, it's hot there. Norway Government Pension Fund, $1.1 trillion. Abu Dhabi Investment Authority. Look at their human rights, call it situation, right? $790 billion. Kuwait Investment Authority. Are you starting to get the chills? $750 billion. Shout out to Norway being probably the only one that's like, I'm accepting that. Yeah, let's let them be the only one. But 11 of the 13 largest sovereign wealth funds, in fact, are either Middle Eastern or Chinese. Folks, folks, I don't, I know I'm, it's not a political podcast. You don't need my political takes, but I don't see how letting governments that are knee deep, like I mean like, like armpits deep in human rights abuses, having, oh, any influence at all in this league, like none. It's not a good idea. I don't, Adam Silver is becoming very unlikable, is he not? This is something David Stern would never allow. And Adam Silver just wants to do everything he can to grow and expand the revenue of this league. And I tell you what, I'm not fucking here for it. Am I too cynical? Am I too cynical? Let me know your thoughts. I'm not one to hit the panic button, but is the NBA headed for a lockout way sooner than anyone expected? Because rut row. Everyone knows that the current CBA is set to expire at the end of the season. What most people don't know, however, is that there is a super secret opt-out agreement from either side that actually the timetable on is December 15th. That is, folks, seven days from when this episode is being recorded. An early warning that, yeah, we're done on the year. This is it. Like, after this season, uh, time for us to start renegotiation, right? Not this, not next season, but this season, right? Mark Stein broke it down perfectly. He said, an opt-out from either side in the next nine days will sound immediate alarm bells because A, it essentially breaks the contract effective at the end of this season, and B, it's a measure that instantly makes the threat of a lockout tangible. Tangible. Means you can feel it in your hands. Means it actually is real. According to reports... The NBA and the MBPA are nowhere near a deal. 
and there could now be big-time warning signs that all is not well in Adam Silverland. Yeah, the issue right now is that the owners have started taking a very hard look and stance on what they call the upper spending limit. Just another fancy term for a hard salary cap, right? And there is no way, no way, that the MBPA is going to allow that. None. Zero. There are other issues as well on top of that. How moving the age limit back to 18 will affect rookie scale contracts. But all of that shit pales in comparison to the hard cap. Honestly, let's be honest. This is about our warriors. They don't want that shit no more. They're like, ah, 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 no, 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 no. You can't do that anymore, Joe Lacob. Lacobs are fucking this up. The Warriors are projected to have a team payroll right now, including the luxury tax, of $483 million next season and is forcing nearly every owner in order to compete to keep up. Which, listen, as a fan, I'm fine with Fine. Just make the rights deals go up more. Make the TV contracts go up more. I'll pay more for League Pass. You can pay those players more. And as a result, me as a media member, my paycheck goes up too. So I'm not mad about that. And I love the player empowerment era. I love them getting as much money as they can in life-changing generational wealth, even though they don't pay anything except for their team-issued gear that they take on. Like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine. But here's a shocking stat. According to SpotTrack, only five teams in the entire NBA, are currently under the salary cap. Take a guess at who they are. Take a guess, take a guess, take a guess. Orlando, (laughs) Detroit, Indiana, San Antonio. And the only one that shocks me is Memphis. Why? Why does that happen? It's because John Morant is still currently on his rookie deal, even though he's already signed his extension. The other 25 teams range from $12 million over to $78 million over the salary cap. And this is what the owners want to shut down. They don't want that. Do you think they want to pay extra? No, they do not. Even though they end up getting more from the rights deal, I don't know what it is. They just don't like paying players at some point $100 million per year is what they're going to have to pay. We're up to like 66 for Damian Lillard or something like that, two years for $127 million. That's where we're up to. When I talked to Jerry West, he said there will be a time in our lifetime. So he said in his lifetime, someone's going to get $100 million a year. MBPA. They're going to want to protect that. They want their players to get paid. They want their players to get paid what they're worth. And the NBA continues to get more popular. It expands. Sovereign sovereign wealth funds start to buy in. And you know what? Anything's possible when it comes to that. So I don't think either side is stupid enough to fuck this up. With media rights coming up in 2024, 2025, the year after the new labor agreement would go into place. But listen, if the owners stick to a hard cap, folks, we might reach NBA Armageddon sooner than later check out our new nba show beyond the arc part of the cbs sports podcast network where you can find me john gonzalez nba insider bill Ryder, and ashley nicole moss five days a week talking all things nba whether you're looking for insightful discussions upbeat commentary breaking news interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Joe Mazzulla, maybe the most interesting coach in the NBA right now. Outside of, like, did you guys see the the royal family quote that he had? We didn't even talk about that. Holy shit. Religion in the Oh, God, can't do it. Anyway, Mazzulla gave his first interview to Mark Spears about the Ime Udoka drama. 
It is a fascinating insight into who is running the ship there. Let's face it. There was no way Missoula thought he was going to be a head coach this early in his career, at least in Boston. He admitted this. He was like, yeah, I've always had faith. (laughs) I was going to be an NBA head coach. (laughs) I believed in myself, but I didn't know it was going to happen this fast. I didn't know what was going to happen in Boston. There's probably some sort of like, thank God for this thing. Like Jesus is is supporting me and looking down on me. But how did he find out about the EMA situation? Everybody thinks, by the way, real side note, everybody, when things happen to them that's good, it's like, God did this for me. So he did this against the other people too? Like it's like, God wanted us to win. There's like some divine Lord's plan for why the Boston Celtics made it to the final or why you ended up being the head coach. Oh yeah, did God step in and have Ime Udoka fuck somebody on the team so that you can get this job? Is that God's will? Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, let's keep going before I get canceled. How did he find out about the Ime situation? And what what were St. Joe's thoughts? When he, this came up, it was like... Uh, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. The only thing I can control is how I just go. Just because I know that for my wife and for my family, we're supposed to be here. We're supposed It's God's will. For us, faith is really important. And we felt like we followed God's plan to a T as where he wanted us to be. I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. And it wasn't even a thought. You don't have time to contemplate. Man. No way him referencing his wife and being a family man and being a man of God is not like a direct shot at Ime Udoka. Sinner! Sinner! Shame! Shame! <laughs> like, like if Joe Mazzula had to stone Ime Udoka to death for this job, would he do it? Like, probably. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> Additionally, he says he hasn't commu- communicated with Ime. Of course he hasn't communicated with Ime. Like he's willing to turn his back on the guy that made him an assistant coach because why? Sinner! Sinner! <laughs> anyway, uh, he said he hasn't talked to him because after he got suspended, it was like we're not allowed to communicate. Does anybody believe that shit, really? Does anybody believe you can't communicate with your like colleague to be like, yo, big ups, man, like I hope you're doing okay? Nope. He's like willing to throw the stones and get ahead because it's predestined. Missoula. Let's move on, has 100% taken advantage of this opportunity. He has made the Celtics a really good team. He's a very good coach. Uh, there's no shade of him because he has been doing a good job in times of turmoil. They're clearly top two team in the NBA. They pounded the Suns by, what, 40 two nights ago? 40. They are a favorite to win the title. But he is a fascinating dude. I don't know where we're at in society where this is like, is starting to come front and center. You know, sovereign wealth funds, like orthodox religion, like this is starting to get crazy. He was asked last week what it was like to play in front of royalty because the prince and princess of Wales were in attendance. And he said the only royal family he acknowledges is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. That was non-ironic, by the way. <laughs> like that was like dead ass serious. And he looked at him like, why would you even question that? And I'm fine with anti-royal family rhetoric. Totally fine with that, given all of the human rights abuses they've been up to. But, like, the only, only royal family I acknowledge is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Okay. What else would you expect, though, from a branch off of the Bub Huggins coaching tree? When asked what advice Huggy gave him, Missoula said, don't fuck it up. That's it. 
just don't screw it up. And that was it. But the reason I think he's successful is, like, honestly, is his philosophy. And it's not rocket science. This is what he told Spears. The NBA is a league. It's just a basketball league. The Celtics, if you take away all that, it's just basketball, leadership, and management. And so the same kind of systems, conversations, environments that you're cultivating at the division at any level is the same that you have to do here. There are just more people paying attention. And you know what? He's got, he's got my attention right now. Like, uh, we got to keep an eye on him. He's still got the interim coach uh, title attached to his name. So we'll see how that goes. And it's a shock probably, considering how well things have gone in Boston, that it's still the interim title. But one thing is for sure, if Boston doesn't lock him down in the long term, the Brooklyn Nets might. <laughs>